up this phase. Just trying to holler at y'all and see what's going on. Had a lot on my mind reminiscing, trying to figure out these things that are going on my mind. Trying to figure out some puzzles. I'm not here to start nothing. I ain't trying to start nothing. Just got some things that I want to get done. Some things that I want to get solved. Some things I want to enlighten myself with. So maybe y'all take a time and to get the opportunity to stop by and listen to my thoughts. Hope so. Very intellectual. So if you get time, just holler at me. I'm reminiscing all in my room. Just trying to figure out a whole lot of things. Until then, y'all have a great day. And thank you for coming in and listening to me. Thanks. and other tech leaders they're causing or they're calling rather for somewhat of a pause on artificial intelligence also known as AI what do you make of these public calls I think they're important I think we ought to pay attention to them uh, when you when you have someone like uh, like Elon Musk the head of DeepMind and Google you know, nearly a thousand other 
people who are on the bleeding edge of technology saying like, slow down guys, uh, we, we're not quite sure what we're about to unleash on the world. I, 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 think, I think we ought to pause. Uh, and I'm not sure that the general public yet really understands how all of their lives will change and could potentially change because of this new technology. The concept of a technological singularity is a fascinating and thought-provoking idea that was first proposed by the mathematician and computer scientist Werner Vinge in the 1980s. According to Vinge, a technological singularity is a hypothetical event that occurs when artificial intelligence surpasses human intelligence, leading to an exponential acceleration of technological progress that ultimately results in an unprecedented and unpredictable transformation of human and machine civilization. At the heart of Vinge's idea is the notion that human intelligence is limited, while machine intelligence has the potential to surpass our own capabilities in every domain. As machines become more intelligent, they will be able to design and improve themselves at an ever-increasing rate, leading to a runaway effect in which the rate of technological progress accelerates beyond human comprehension. This could lead to a fundamental shift in our understanding of what it means to even be human as we are forced to confront the reality that we are no longer the most intelligent entities on the planet. If we're not careful, we could unleash, um, you know, a beast. Imagine, imagine uh, governments in a race towards autonomous weapons. What is an autonomous weapon? Right now, if you're um, the United States government and you have a drone that's going after a terrorist, you have an operator, a human being, you know, sitting sitting behind a system, uh, making decisions as to whether to kill or to not kill, or whether civilians are involved or not involved. Uh, we could be moving into a world where the machines make the decisions for themselves. They decide uh, if they're optimized to kill. Robots fighting wars. Science fiction? Not anymore. If machines, not humans, are making life and death decisions, how can wars be fought humanely and responsibly? Humanity is confronted with a grave future, the rise of autonomous weapons. So autonomous weapons are those that select and attack targets without human intervention. So after the initial launch or activation, it's the weapon system itself that self-initiates the attack. It's not science fiction at all. In fact, it's already in use. The world is in a new arms race. In just 12 countries, there are over 130 military systems that can autonomously track targets. Systems that are armed. They include air defense systems that fire when an incoming projectile is detected, loitering munitions which hover in the sky searching a specific area for pre-selected categories of targets, and sentry weapons at military borders which use cameras and thermal imaging to ID human targets. In theory, any remote-controlled robotic weapon in the air, on land, or at sea could be adapted to strike autonomously. And even though humans do oversee the pull of the trigger now, that could change overnight. Because autonomous killing is not a technical issue. It's a legal and ethical one. That, that's the catastrophic scenario. That's the, the apocalypse. Uh, you could also have the, the mass unemployment of people, you know, as, as new technology always threatens the, the, the status quo where you don't have the, uh, the economic system catch up with the technology quickly enough and when technology moves at this accelerated pace, uh, unless you press pause, you don't have the opportunity to think through those things. 
police departments are now using robots to do everything from boring to dangerous jobs. Some countries do try out robots that can take the place of police officers. Dubai is trying out robots on the streets that can send information back to headquarters so that people there can look at it. They're also equipped with touch screens for reporting crimes and can communicate in six different languages. Police officers can also use robots to do more complicated jobs. They can go into dangerous places and find people and things that could be dangerous. This is safer than sending police officers into dangerous situations. The AI is coming. Right now, just for our jobs. It'll get around to our lives, but right now it's coming for our jobs. And I know a lot of you are already worried about it. You're like, no, it's going to come for the coders. It's going to come for the writers. Oh, it is going to. It's already taking some jobs. And I bet you didn't guess these. Levi's, the brand of jeans and stuff, is apparently making a switch to AI-generated models after partnering with Amsterdam-based digital model studio LaLaLand.ai to make models that look like this. You can take a look at this, wearing um, a dress made out of 5'11s, I think. I don't know. Uh, and then uh, this photo right here. Um, both of those photos look like every photo you've ever seen of a model standing to demonstrate clothing. Those are not people, though. They do not exist. They are just representations created by AI. They're not actual models that had to stand, and, you know, they weren't paid. There was no makeup and hair person that was paid. I don't believe there was a photographer that was paid, unless somebody is clicking to do screenshots on the AI program. So all of that process that would have normally produced a model wearing the brand's clothing is gone there. So I'm afraid um, that the whole world, and no exaggeration, really, 18 months from now, the world as we know it could be unrecognizable. No NATO, no war. No NATO, no war. We don't work for you no more. Jason Hurd, 
I spent 10 years in the United States Army as a combat medic. I deployed to Baghdad in 2004. I'm here to return my Global War on Terrorism Service Medal in solidarity with the people of Iraq and the people of Afghanistan. I am deeply sorry for the destruction that we have caused in those countries and around the globe. I am proud to stand on this stage with my fellow veterans and my Afghan sisters. These were lies. I'm giving them back. My name is Stephen Lund. I'm a two-time Iraq combat veteran. This medal I'm dedicating to the children of Iraq that no longer have fathers and mothers. for a war that didn't have any weapons of mass destruction. So I deserted. I'm one of 40,000 people that left the United States Armed Forces because this is a lie. My name is Steve Ashton. I'm from Campbellsport, Wisconsin. I was a Ford observer in the United States Army for just under five years. I deployed to Sadr City, Iraq in 2005. And I'm giving back my medals for the children of Iraq and Afghanistan. May they be, they be able to forgive us for what we've done to them. May we begin to heal, and may we, may we live in peace from here until eternity. Hello, my name is Michael Thurman. I was a conscientious objector from the United States Air Force. I'm returning my Global War on Terrorism medal and my military coins on behalf of Private First Class Bradley Manning, who sacrificed everything to show us the truth about these wars. My name is Nate. I served in the U.S. Navy from 99 to 2003 and participated in the invasions of Iraq and Afghanistan. I was wrong to uh, sign myself up for that. I apologize to the Iraqi and Afghani people for destroying our countries. My name is Brock McIntosh. I was in the Army National Guard and served in Afghanistan from November 08 to August 09. Two months ago, I visited the monument at Ground Zero for my first time with two Afghans. The tragic monument. I'm going to toss this medal today for the 33,000 civilians who died in Afghanistan that won't have a monument built for them. And this is for the Afghan Youth Peace Volunteers. My name is Vince Emanuele and I serve with the United States Marine Corps. First and foremost, this is for the people of Iraq and Afghanistan. Our enemies are not 7,000 miles from home. They sit in boardrooms. They are CEOs. They are bankers. They are hedge fund managers. They do not live 7,000 miles from home. Our enemies are right here, and we look at them every day. They are not the men and women who are standing on this police line. They are the millionaires and billionaires who control this planet, and we've had enough of it. So they can take their medals back. Illinois Army National Guard from 2000 to 2006. This medal right here is for Anthony Wagner. He died last year. And this medal right here is because I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all of you. I'm sorry. 
60 seconds, the new draft report on UFOs. The Pentagon's expert warning about a possible mothership coming close to Earth. Stay with us. So this is President Biden. He's your leader. Oh, yeah. Hmm? Elected fair and square. Well, elected anyway. UFOs is ever civilization has its customs. Here he comes. Mr. President. He thought off with two words. Made in America. Earth must use a different system of mathematics. <laughs> I want to learn about your planet and your great nation. Please, what can you tell me about America? America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, him, uh, foot, foot. What a fascinating etymological discovery. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by go, you know the you know the thing. Maybe I should just speak to this Trump person I've heard about. An order that has long sought our destruction and global domination. What you are about to watch is a police officer who spoke out at a rally held by former Congressman Ron Paul during his presidential campaign in 2008. Jack McLam said clearly that these FEMA prison camps were not just going to be ran by U.S. federal agencies, but an international force which will help round up citizens and detain them. It wasn't just this that startled the people. He warned that others would meet different fates and it has people seeing red and blue. So demonic that we tell people about it and they say, you're crazy, this is America, it can't happen here. And then Edgar Hoover said that, that it was a conspiracy so monstrous that people don't even believe it exists. And that's the problem we have today, folks, is doing that, convincing people that this conspiracy is real. But praise God, we have all the evidence needed to prove
Um, but it, the bulk of it comes from a man who was the inspector for the Joint Chiefs of Staff of these concentration camps. Uh, there may be a an electrical blackout at night. If you have an electrical blackout, watch out. It might be a cover for them coming for the red list. And then people like these Russians who who are hiding, they have these red the, the names. They will come at 4 a.m. just like they came at that time for Jesus. They'll pull you out of your house and they will they will take you in a van, take you to like a cul-de-sac where a helicopter's flying in that are black. They're flying off of the their regular system navigation. Will take you to sites and then take you to locations where you will be terminated. May 9th is Victory Day, and on May 9th, because there's no more World War II veterans, the Russian population goes to the street in what they call the Immortal Regiment. They carry photographs of their grandfathers, their fathers, anybody who served, anybody who serves today, because they truly honor and respect the men and women who sacrificed everything. Let that number sink in, 27 million. 27 million. You know, we lost a little over 300,000 casualties in World War II in both theaters. They lost 27 million people. Um, so when people talk about, is Russia serious when they talk about defending themselves, they're 27 million dead bodies serious. So that's, that's the thing the is they're culturally ready for major death. They don't want it though. Exactly. But they understand what's necessary to defend their homeland and they will do everything necessary to defend their homeland. So we have to ask ourselves, why are we threatening their homeland? What threat does Russia pose against us? And the answer is, frankly speaking, zero. But what do you see happening? 70% of me says we're all going to die. So go out and get drunk tonight because you might as well live high. It's funny. That's a gut level I feel like people don't get. We're on the edge of destruction. So we got to stop being complacent. We have to stop waiting for somebody else to do something. Ladies and gentlemen, the onus is on you. The burden is on you. You have got to make the decision that you want to live. Therefore, you have to become engaged and insist whoever is in power in 2024 has to make arms control the number one policy objective of the United States. Donald Trump has put a standard out there. Whatever you think about Donald Trump, let's put that aside for a second. Because again, we need to stop this rush towards nuclear war. And when you have a candidate that says not only what he said last time, why can't we be friends with Russia? Reflect on that for a second. People mocked him. Why can't we be friends with Russia? He's put a standard out there. If you don't like Donald Trump, embrace the standard. Say, okay, I'm not going to vote for Trump, but I'm only going to vote for somebody who believes what Trump has said. NATO is bad. Nuclear weapons are bad. We need to embark on a policy that embraces arms control. First thing we see here is an array of cameras that listen to you and watch you. These are the facial recognition system. Now, cities are starting to be set up where they have points of entry for regions within cities. And you have to use your iPhone device to beep your way in. And it, the pad on the top there shows your face. It's facial recognition. So it opens the doors and things like that for you if it matches your face or if you don't have any problems. But if you are wanted by the police or something, these will lock you in so you can't move from region to region or if you use too much carbon. As you can see, this woman takes off her, her glasses and that little device that looks like an iPhone, but it's actually a retina scanner, a facial scanner, picks up your face and then it will let you through. And then here's an example of how that works. You're at the gate here, it scans his face, and then there you go, it opens the gate. Now within the cities, they're blocked off by region, and these fences right here separate those areas. There's police, as you can see in front, that monitor and guard these areas between points. So if I'm over here where this guy is like region one, region two is over here, right? But I have to go through a checkpoint. 
Now, of course, the police officers have these glasses that are facial recognition glasses. So it'll read license plates. And when you see somebody right here, it'll recognize the face and pull up their information. And so a cop can just sit there and look at a population and determine if they're good, bad, have warrants against the government, blah, 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 blah just like this officer's doing. Now, of course, this is where a camera can identify you by your gait or by the way you walk. This determines how a person walks and they can set up a profile based on the way you move and walk with your facial recognition, meaning you can be watched at all points. So this guy right here, I'll spare you the details, but basically what it is is he's reading this and he can't travel on high-speed rail because his credit score, his social credit score is so low. So what he had to do is volunteer and do a bunch of other shit to raise his social credit score. So he was going to take a trip that would take three hours on a high-speed rail, but because his social credit score was too low, he had to take a bus, which took 10 hours. But then coming up here, he donated and did charity work, and now he says at the end he can live like a real person. And then here's footage of the grocery store in Canada. They've put these cameras, these facial recognition cameras, in the grocery store to determine what you're buying and if it's good for the environment or not, as far as I can tell. When Black TikTok targets you. screwed on TikTok economically. He dropped two videos. Watch this. I'm not going to be overly dramatic. I'm going to cut to the chase because I am not feeling well today. So I was going to give you more about um, what was going on yesterday. Um... And I'm very emotional because I lost a friend last night. Um, so here's why I'm frustrated. <laughs> if I go into the creator marketplace and I put supporting white supremacy and I hit accept, it's okay. And it lets me have my ass dollars. White supremacy. But God forbid, let me put Black Lives Matter on there. Watch. It says it's a threat. Boom. Inappropriate content. Can't say that. I cannot say black people. This is my screen recording. And this is why I'm pissed the fuck off. We're tired. We're tired. Okay? Black success. Boom. Inappropriate content. Anything black related is inappropriate content. But let me... Black can't say it. Let's take that out of the equation. Supporting white success. The same adjectives I was using to describe us on this app. It's allowed. It's allowed. White voices. Accepted. $500. Um, Pro-white. Accepted. $500. But let me say pro-black. The Honorable Vladimir Putin, if you're watching this and if you're listening, I, Kevin Johnson, is looking to move here to Moscow and become a full resident here to pursue my career. And with you, with you and your approval, I would like to apply for a Russian passport where Russia can be my home. See, y'all, y'all gotta think about what these people doing out here to us, man. And and we sitting up here playing games and these people telling y'all what good it is. But the mindset is, you, these people are common people like the other people on the TV stations, these news outlets. They common people, but these the common people out here telling you what the real lowdown is and they ain't getting paid for telling you these and they don't have a puppet trying to tell you this and that and that and the real and the news you know they got their narratives and people pulling strings on what you put in what to say whatever so we got to think about this and how they trying to trick us with this trick hat they got going on 
bro, you gonna be ready for the trick hat or what? I don't know. You know, we better get together and just understand what is really going on because the stuff is getting really thick. I'm just sitting here, you know what I'm saying? I'm sitting here watching this movie on on, on this world and how, how everything gonna come to its fold, right? I'm just eating popcorn and just doing a little narrating and we seeing, you know, we seeing the fault, we, we seeing the truth from the false, right? The righteous from the folly. We seeing all that. And the wicked from the, the righteous, the ignorant from the, 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 the wisdom, you know, <laughs> we seeing all this is being held hostage. Some say they haven't had access to their direct deposits for two weeks. They can't make withdrawals and their automatic car payments are not going through. Channel 2's Taisha Fernandez is live in Southeast Atlanta. Ty, you've been working all day to find out what's behind this. And Linda, this is the main branch for the Atlanta Postal Credit Union right behind me. They basically share a building with the post office. Today, I went inside to get answers for those members who say they have not been able to access their money for weeks. They need to tell us really what's going on because it's our money that they're using. Carolyn Hawkins has an account here at the Atlanta Postal Credit Union. APCU has six locations in Metro Atlanta. On their website, they mention a system outage. And it says here, as of early morning, March 25th, members can now access online and mobile banking. But we spoke to several members Thursday who said things have not been restored online or inside the credit union. I came here several times and they were saying that the system was down. So we were, I was not gonna get a paper receipt, but the money would be in there. And they said it's been down for a while. They don't know what happened. To find out, I went inside this Decatur location. Then I went to the main branch in Southeast Atlanta. The managers I spoke with said they can't comment. There's also a credit union branch inside South DeKalb Mall. I spoke to a member there on the phone. She's been trying to get a cashier's check for two weeks. Well, I feel like my money is being held hostage. And um, I cannot complete transactions because of this. I spoke to some other members off camera who said they haven't gotten their direct deposits. Things they have on automatic payment aren't getting paid. And it's a mess. And they can't give me a day and a time when this would be cleared up. See, (laughs) y'all. See, the most I put that old deal. They, the money is they God. So they they, they they plan for all this money being they God. They running after this money. Now this money is funny. And, and, and God showing you that this money is not your God. So who you going to pray to now? Now, it's all gone. You can't pay your bill. You ain't got nothing in the checking account. How you going to live? How you going to survive? How you going to see the world now? How you going to regulate with the world now without all these words? I ain't got to worry in the world. I ain't care. I don't worry. I'm good. But now you ain't got no money. You ain't got no resource. You ain't got no thing. Then what's going to happen? You better realize. You better realize. You better realize. I'm gonna keep it like an island boy. I'm gonna keep it like an island boy. I'm 
friends we're trying to make. And I'm an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. And I'm an island boy. Friends we're trying to make. And I'm an island boy. I'ma keep it like an island boy. These streets keep calling me. They don't want me to leave the light behind. Staring at stars, wishing I had time. But my kids need food and my girl needs me. And sometimes I dream that I'm finally free. So baby, don't play me, I ain't no toy. I'm a prisoner here, but I still make noise. And I'm a child that I'm body with all my boys. I'm a street kid now, but one day I'll be an island boy. I'm just trying to make it. I'm an island boy. Island boy. I'm an island boy. They came here and did something to our mind and to our spirituality. Many men have tried to understand what they did to us. I'll not refer to all of them. The African-American Alex Haley produced a film called Roots. And in Roots, he dramatizes the life of a young man uprooted from Jufure village in what is now known as the Gambia, Kunta Kinte. And they take Kunta Kinte to the United States of America. And when they take Kunta Kinte to the United States of America, the first thing that they do to him is to beat him up, that he may change his name. So that Kunta Kinte is beaten out of him and they introduce a new being called Toby. When we are all empty, they fill us with something that is alien. And then we begin to think like them. We begin to think that our hair is not good enough so that our women must buy wigs from dead women in Asia. So that our women must reject their skin, they bleach it that they may become whiter so that our women can remove their eyebrows and eyelashes so that our women can paint their lips red so that our women can stop eating that they may become slender they do that to us and they do that to us because they know that our women are the fountain of life and that when they change our women, we men who are weak will be changed. We must stop that. When Europeans who are still living in caves, the dragon in Mali had already recognized the stars. When the Europeans who are still eating raw meat, the Africans had discovered fire. The Africans were the pioneers. And even if you look at all religions and their creation, and I'm a keen reader of the Bible, and the Bible records, and the God said, let us create man in our own image, and that he took soil and formed man out of it. The last time I checked, soil was brown or black 
not white. And I can confirm that I checked this morning. The soil is still black, the soil is still brown, and if therefore anybody is created in the image of God, it is we who are of the black race. And they started. In January 1961, they assassinated Patrice Emery Lumumba, and Congo has never been the same again. In 1963, they assassinated Silvanus Olympio in Togo. And Togo has never been the same again. Then there were Kuditas, Kwame Nkrumah himself. In 1966, eliminated via coup All his writings, all his speeches burned, never to be read never to be listened to until 1972 when Ignatius Chempong rehabilitated him. Ahmed Ben Bella in Algeria gone. In Nigeria, Namdi Azikiwe and Abubakar Tafawa Balewa gone. In Mali, Modibo Keita gone. In Chad, Everywhere, coup d'etat. Here in Ethiopia, 1974, if I'm not wrong, coup d'etat and the emergence of the Turk regime. In East Africa, Uganda, coup d'etat, mutinies in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania in 1971. All orchestrated because we were disunited and we were weak. The predictions of our forefathers and founding mothers that disunited we would remain weak came true. That is the history of it. You know, sometimes, and many are those times, when I read the story in the Bible, and I read about Jesus of Nazareth and I wrap my mind about his humility and I hear him many times saying that he did not come to be served but he came to serve. Then I look at our leaders who when they are seeking to serve us when they are seeking our support, they are humility personified. They kiss babies. They go to the shebin. They drink from dirty cups. They walk on foot. They smile with us. They take photos with everybody. They discard their security. They are humility personified. They speak the language that we want to hear. They do the thing that they think we want to see them do. They delude us. They cheat us. And somehow we accept that they are leaders. But immediately they get what they want. Oh, they have a reverse Pauline conversion. 
If they were appalled, they go back to being souls. And we can no longer recognize them. When you ring them, their phones are picked by somebody called a PA, whose only claim to fame that he is rude beyond measure. When you go to the offices, when you go to the offices, they no longer want to see you. When they are driving in the streets, their sirens scare you. While I suspect that those who discovered the siren meant that it should be used for good purposes. For them it is a badge of honor and they harass us in the streets. They acquire things which they have not worked for. They promise us things that they know they will never deliver. They want to be described as honorable even when they are horrible. These are the men that we have. What these white people afraid of? They're afraid of black groups, mobs, rising up and taking the power. It does make me feel uncomfortable to talk about these things because they are incredibly disturbing and revolting. Eric Lott, a professor at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York, says blackface represents a strange mix of envy, fascination, desire, and fear. The history of blackface is long and complex and deeply ingrained in our culture. Who was that lady I saw you with this afternoon? <laughs> uh, that is no lady. Uh, that is my wife. <laughs> Even Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd blacked up. Fantastic, isn't it? For more than a hundred years, white and then black performers wore dark makeup and created not only a popular theatrical form, but stereotypes that are still with us today. Outrage tonight after a fourth child is diagnosed with cancer at a San Joaquin Elementary School. And parents believe it's because of radiation caused by a cell tower at the school. News tonight, CBS 13's Jen McGraw is live in Ripon with what the school is now saying. Jen? Yeah, it's become such a point of contention that more than 200 students stayed home from school yesterday in protest. And their parents went before the school board demanding answers and that they take precaution. Cell phone towers are spread throughout the community, but it's this particular one that parents say usually tell us it's 100% environmental, the type of tumor he has. Monica Ferulli's son Mason was the second child to be diagnosed with cancer in just three years at Weston Elementary. He was 10 years old and walked by this cell phone tower daily. It's, it's indescribable. It's, it's really tough. That's one of the hardest things I've been through. Joe Prime's son Kyle was the first diagnosed with kidney cancer in 2016 and two more kids were diagnosed this year just seems like a coincidence is no longer a reason for for all this illness they believe it's this cell phone tower that's harming their kids these kids shouldn't be guinea pigs and we shouldn't be we shouldn't be taking chances with the children's lives winning the race to be the world's leading provider of 5g cellular communications networks it's all about 5g now we were 4g and everybody was saying we have to get 4g and then they said before that we have to get 3g and now we have to get 5g and 5g is a big deal and that's going to be there for a while and i guess uh, at some point we'll be talking to you about number six what do you think do you think that's true <laughs> 
5G will be as much as 100 times faster than the current 4G cellular networks. It will transform the way our citizens work, learn, communicate, and travel. It'll make American farms more productive, American manufacturing more competitive, and American healthcare better and more accessible. Basically, it covers almost everything when you get right down to it. Pretty amazing. 5G networks will also create astonishing and really thrilling new opportunities for our people. Opportunities that we've never even thought we had a possibility of looking at. According to some estimates, the wireless industry plans to invest $275 billion in 5G networks. As my administration is focused on freeing up as much wireless spectrum as needed. We're going to free it up so they'll be able to get out there and get it done and removing regulatory barriers to the build out of networks. As Chairman Pai will discuss with you in a moment, the FCC is taking very bold action. In addition, last October, I directed the Department of Commerce to develop a national spectrum strategy to free up even more spectrum for economic activity, including 5G. Uh, it takes too long to get permits. We're going to free that situation up and we're going to put limits and uh, the local areas are going to listen to us very, very strongly. They have a big incentive to do that. They must now approve new physical infrastructure within 90 days instead of many years. It can sometimes take three, four and five years. Uh, we're going to put a limit of 90 days. These changes will contribute greatly to building high-speed networks across America, and it's going to happen very quickly, very, very quickly. As we are making great progress with 5G, we're also focused on rural communities that do not have access to broadband at all. And now what we're doing is we're making it a priority. That's the areas we want to go to first, so they're covered. We're also working closely with federal agencies to get networks built in rural America faster and at much, much lower cost than it is even today. So now I'd like to introduce a very special man who's really worked hard and gained the respect of the world, truly, because they see what we're doing in our country. We'll be making two major announcements to accelerate our 5G future and extend broadband access to every American no matter where you are, you will have access very quickly to 5G, and it's going to be a different life. I don't know that it's going to be better. Maybe you're happy the way it is right now, but I can say technologically, it won't even be close. So, Chairman Pai, thank you very much. Please say a few words. It's a project first dreamed up by the military to get information from the battlefield. They call it smart dust, and the new technology may soon make it possible to keep track of anything, anywhere, including you. Smart Dust originated with DARPA back in the 90s. This powder-sized chip is something called the Mu chip from Hitachi. It's the smallest commercially available RFID system in the world. You can literally scatter this stuff like dust or embed it into a sheet of paper. It doesn't require a battery. Flex of computing power settling on your skin, ingested, monitoring you inside and out. The nanoparticles are designed to go under the radar of the immune system. And so they are undetected in the body. We have computing everywhere. We have connectivity everywhere. We have infrastructure that can compute those with new capabilities like AI. If you have enough data, 
and you have enough computing power, you can understand people better than they understand themselves, and then you can manipulate them in ways which were previously impossible. Transhumanism is a growing movement that aims to use technology to modify our bodies, sometimes in radical ways to make them stronger, faster, and better. When we seek understanding, based on the premise that men have corrupted the word of God so that they might rob us of our hope and strength, and have hidden from us the knowledge that the word is written in the stars, the result for the unbiased inquirer will be a clear perception of the end times. The Most High has not asked us to believe in fairy tales, and I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath. And when prophecy is about to be fulfilled, signs in heaven align with signs on earth. For example, the Bible teaches that two witnesses will come, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days, clothed in sackcloth. 4. These are the two olive trees, and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Revelation 11, 3, 4. Never once did the Bible tell us that two men would come before the two witnesses who are Elijah and Moses, but the word does say there would be signs in the earth, and the testimony of these two men would confirm the existence and work of the Messiah, and give us insight into the powers that will be displayed by the 144,000. Simon Kimbangu was born in Congo Free State in 1887. He was a prophet. He healed the sick, made the lame walk, returned sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf, and even brought back to life an infant who had been dead for three days. He prophesied the end of Gentile oppression in Africa, which is in line with Bible prophecies. He announced that the colonial authorities were about to arrest him and impose a long period of silence on my body. His ministry lasted only five months. He died in prison in 1951 after 30 years of incarceration. The Catholic and Belgian authorities were offended because Simeon Kimbangu was a living witness that the Messiah was born of a woman in Africa and walked in the power of the kingdom of God. They were outraged that after thousands of years of debates arguing for and against the Messiah's existence and presenting a false physical identity, that in a moment, God had exposed the lies of his enemies and reminded them of their looming destruction. The second witness is Simon Toko. Born in 1918 in northern Angola, he began preaching and performing miracles after moving to the Congo. His first public prayer was a call on the Holy Spirit to end the abuses of the colonial powers in Africa. As a result of this, the Belgian authorities arrested Simon and deported him back to Angola. But before he left, he gave those Belgians a warning. He gave them 10 years to leave the Congo. And 10 years later, in 1960, Simon Toko unleashed an army of a thousand angelic beings with supernatural powers on the Belgian army and sent those soldiers running for their lives. Upon his return to Angola, the Portuguese colonial powers engaged in many attempts to kill Simon. In one attempt, they told him to clean the blades of a grass-cutting tractor, then switched on the blades. His body was severed, then miraculously reconstructed itself. When the Portuguese witnessed this, they ran away in fear. The Catholic Church was so afraid that they could not just kill him as they killed Christ. The Pope sent emissaries to ask him who he was. His reply was Matthew 11, 2-6 when Jesus sent word to John of the miracles he had performed. 
The Pope wanted Simon dead, so he had the Portuguese arrest him and deport him to Portugal. But on the plane, they attempted to throw him out into the Atlantic Ocean, but he stopped the plane midair using his supernatural powers. The plane resumed flight after they pleaded with him for mercy. To put this in historical context, in 1962, John Kennedy was the president of the United States. The civil rights movement was in full swing. Malcolm X made a famous speech on police brutality. Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat, and Cassius Clay was soon to become Muhammad Ali. When Simon arrived in Portugal in the presence of several doctors, they cut open his chest and pulled out his heart and took it away for tests. But Simeon awoke and asked why they were persecuting him and demanded his heart back. He died voluntarily on December 31, 1984, but his resurrected body was seen by a few people after that. He warned the authorities that he would be back, but this time there would be many of them, and they would not be able to stop them. Sounds like the 144,000 to me. The world has never heard the truth, but the 144,000 will teach the world. The princes of this world will desire to kill them, but will not be able to. The authority to teach God's word was never given to the Gentiles, and the coming of the invincible 144,000 of the 12 tribes of Jacob will be evidence of that. Experts are said to be confounded by the Great Rift. It has appeared in Africa, splitting the land apart. But Jacob need not be confounded because the Most High said, there would be wonders in the heavens above, and signs in the earth beneath. The split in the East African Rift, is a sign in the earth. The split extends from Aden, which is the location of the Gate of God, and stretches through to Kenya, the location of Mount Zion. Then it extends down to Mozambique, the land of the angels. It remains a mystery in part. But what we are witnessing is the preparation of a special place. For a people described as God's chosen. As it is written, Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth. I will give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. To give drink to my people, my chosen. So this rift may be part of God's preparations for a chosen people. As Baruch the scribe has predicted, at a certain time God will protect only those who are found in a particular land. Join us at locals.com or join... We talk about China's debt crisis. It is ruining countries and it's hurting China too. In a nutshell, this is what happened. China went around the world pumping money into economies that were not robust. The idea was to buy their loyalty. In some cases it worked, but in many more, the money sank. Now the countries cannot pay back and China needs the cash because its own cities are sinking under debt. We're talking about trillions of dollars here, unsustainable loans, money that China wants to recover but is failing to. This story has three parts. Number one, the BRI, the Belt and Road Initiative. The centerpiece of Xi Jinping's foreign policy, also a weapon for the Chinese state to extend its debt trap. But that weapon has backfired. Belt and Road is now Belt and Road Blocks. The projects are stuck because partner countries are not being able to manage their debt. So China has, given, has been forced to give out bailouts. And it's not working out for either side. Let me show you some numbers. From the year 2000 to 2021, China gave 128 bailouts. These were in 22 countries, 128 bailouts. Their total value, 
was $240 billion. And most of this was thanks to BRI. A large chunk of these bailouts were given only after 2017. BRI began in 2013. Between 2019 and 2021, China gave bailouts worth $104 billion. So the trend is quite clear. China's bad loans multiplied thanks to Belt and Road projects. Now look at the countries that got these loans. Argentina, Belarus, Ecuador, Egypt, Laos, Mongolia, Pakistan, Suriname, Sri Lanka, Turkey, Ukraine and Venezuela. In terms of geography, China has covered a lot. These countries may be in different continents, but they have two things in common. One, they all got Chinese loans. And two, they all got IMF loans. IMF is the International Monetary Fund, the lender of last resort. What do these similarities tell you? China is exploiting developing economies. It is piling them with more debt. And it gives money even when the risks are clear. A bank might not lend to some of these countries. That's because they may not be able to service their debt. But China throws its checkbook at them. Then they default. They're not able to pay. In some cases, China lends them more cash. In other cases, it extends the tenure of the loans, essentially kicking the can down the road. Either way, these economies are saddled with debt. We'll talk about China's debt. The word classified means confidential. It means secret. It means something that needs to be tightly guarded. And if we are talking about wartime, then any leak of secret plans is treason. But the Ukraine war is proving to be an exception in all sorts of ways. And case in point being, the NATO's war plans. There's breaking news. They have been leaked. The plan mentions a secret spring offensive by Ukraine against the Russians. This great secret plan is no longer a secret. It's out. In fact, it's everywhere on social media, on Telegram, on Twitter. Some of you may have even received it as a WhatsApp forward message. Can you believe that? You know, pages after pages detailing how Ukraine has planned to win back the lost cities and how the NATO would be assisting Kiev. And now Russia knows it all. Moscow must be laughing all the way to the battlefield. After all, it knows Ukraine's biggest secret. But the question is, who exactly goofed up and how? How did something so sensitive get leaked? Who was in charge of protecting such a top secret? That is easily answered. Officials sitting in the Pentagon. It appears that someone from within the American establishment has leaked the plan with details of Ukraine's next move. But is it an act of sabotage? You see, one of the files was marked secret, another top secret. This one. Let's just zoom in. Have a look at what it says. Status of the conflict as of the 1st of March. On the right of the paper, as you can see, you have details of combat effective battalions. The eastern grouping of troops, the central grouping of troops, so on and so forth. You also have other political or supply related information. And on the left side, this top secret document mentions something on the lines of on the 28th of February,
Belgium reported that it was unwilling to donate aircraft to Ukraine, but will consider providing maintenance and logistic aid for other countries' deliveries. These are differences within the NATO. These are nitty-gritties regarding NATO's operations. And none of this should be public knowledge. But now it is. Courtesy some Edward Snowden, perhaps, sitting in the Pentagon. Let me also quickly tell you what else has been leaked. You have details of weapon deliveries, you know, from NATO to to Ukraine, from NATO to Ukraine. And then you have details of troops, battalion strengths as well. Sure, the documents do not mention the exact places Ukraine plans to target or how it plans to attack. But these documents give enough data points for an expert to join the dots and read between the lines. One of the documents, for example, summarizes training schedules of the Ukrainian army. You heard that right. So if Russia tomorrow wants to stage an ambush, it knows exactly where to find the Ukrainian troops. Do you realize the extent of damage that this leak actually has done? Some documents, for example, offer clues about military formation. So tomorrow, if Ukraine still decides to go ahead with this plan, they will find the Russian army waiting to welcome them at the battlefield. You see, the spring offensive was supposed to be as early as next month. And now Ukraine and the NATO need to go back to the drawing board and start from scratch. So to call the league disastrous will be an understatement, of course. It's bizarre to say the least. It's so bizarre that it has led to speculation about the motives. Was this all on purpose? But then again, why would America reveal its own plan? But is there a secret mole sitting within the Pentagon, America's war headquarters, who wanted to scupper this military offensive and thereby help Moscow? Or is this a more calculated move from within the deep American state, which has concluded that Ukraine is burning weapons at an irreplaceable pace? And the US may not, may no longer be able to supply weapons in time. Is there a section of the establishment which is not fully supportive of Ukraine? In the absence of hard answers, such speculation is only inevitable. And here's what's not speculation. As I speak, the Pentagon is scrambling to plug the gaps, you know, to avoid further leaks. It is trying to delete images from social media, as if anyone could ever do that successfully. I think the officials have forgotten something called the download feature, you know, that 21st century technology has blessed people with. And it goes without saying Russia is having the last laugh. Russia, after all, is making the most of this leak, both in terms of gathering intel slash information, also bolstering its information warfare. Have a look at what the New York Times is reporting. Military analysts said the documents appear to have been modified in certain parts from their original format, overstating American estimates of Ukrainian war dead and understating the estimates of the Russian troops killed. Like I said, 
Russia is having a field day. And the Wall Street Journal saying Russian propaganda channels photoshopped at least one of the documents. There is one fact which is indisputable. This leak at the cost of Ukraine will go down in history and also attract ridicule for ages. Not just ridicule, it will generate books for nothing attracts the readers more than conspiracy theories. Welcome to the next deluge of conspiracy theories. I studied the Bible so I know it well. Yeah, can't let nobody make myself a cell. Can't even lie, yeah, I still struggle, but I know myself. I fear God, I told him I don't want to go to hell. Pray for the sermon, I'll be asking what's the gift in me. Must be this music, cause the world think I'm so sick with it. I switch my style, some people love it, some trying to get with it. I think what matters most is I'm living out what's God written. I make mistakes, but I embrace them, I'm still human. I'm still human. I escape from that place that made me feel ruined. So every day I still chase what I think I'm losing. And pray to God in the end that I don't look stupid. Why do I feel I'm unable, double-minded, I'm unstable? Wanna put all me on the table so God can make me an angel. Was living life like Cain, cause I was jealous of Abel. God told me, look up, child, I just wanna save you. I need to hear your voice in life so I could get through this. For you, I shoot for the stars every time and I don't miss. Every time I drop a hit, I still don't feel the bliss. And deep down, I know it's only cause I'm still living in sin. You transform my pen, they laughed at me, now I'm laughing with them. Transform my gifts so now I can't even rap with them. I need to use my talents cause the devil be distracting them.